fantastic. So we're continuing in our series in 1 Corinthians tonight, and the Apostle Paul, he's writing to the church in Corinth because they've lost their way. They've come adrift, both as a church and also as individuals. And so he's writing to them to bring them back on point, to wake them up, to stop them drifting. And uh, he's waking them up to see God's perspective. And he's reintroducing them to the power of the Holy Spirit. We were in Devon at Easter for the Easter holidays. My family are in Devon. And uh, there's a particular beach that we like to go to. The kids love it because it's brilliant for crabbing. They uh, often catch loads and loads of crabs. And on the pier there, uh, they've got one of those old-fashioned telescopes, you know, the ones that look out to sea. And uh, my kids were enjoying looking through this telescope. And I was like, oh, give me a go. Let me have a look and uh, like barge them out of the way, let me have a look. And um, I looked through and I was really disappointed because all I could see was a blur. I couldn't see anything. And then my dad handed me 20p and I put the 20p in the slot and then suddenly I could see for miles around. Suddenly I could see all the detail of the cliffs. I could see the houses perched on top of the cliffs. I could see the seabirds on the rocks in the ocean and I could see all the beautiful detail of the sea that I couldn't see when that telescope was a blur. And the point is we get so used to seeing our lives, our spirituality through our own blurred lens that we forget to put the 20p in. We forget to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives, into our relationships, into our thought life. And that is exactly what has been happening with the church in Corinth. They've forgotten about the Spirit. And so Paul is reminding his friends about the incredible power of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit can change their whole perspective. So we're going to read 1 Corinthians 2, verses uh, 6 to 16. Like I said, it should come up on the screen, and it's on page 1145, if, that has, if you've got a hard copy that's been given to you. Okay. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. 
The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Amen. Thank you. Amen. That's good. I think as I was preparing this talk, I was praying about this talk, to be honest with you, as I was wrestling with this passage, um, I, it, it kind of dawned on me about Paul and he, just the, the way that he has this understanding about the Spirit. You know, how he understands the sheer power of the Spirit of God. You know, 12 times in these 10 verses we've read, he says, he mentions the word Spirit. And the truth is that if we want to live a godly life, a life that is full of peace and love and wisdom and worship, we have to rely incredibly hard, lean incredibly hard on the Holy Spirit. We have to. We can't do it by ourselves. We um, went to France a few holidays ago. We went to the south of France. We were chasing the sun, and uh, we had booked uh, one of these static caravans in the middle of the south of France. And we'd gone food shopping. We um, came back one afternoon, late afternoon. It was boiling, boiling hot. We were thirsty. There was nothing to drink in the fridge. And uh, Chuck had the bright idea of we bought some Diet Coke. I know, I put a bottle of that in the freezer just for half an hour, maybe an hour, so it chills. So then in that time, we can have a really nice cold drink. The problem was, well, in fact, there were two problems with that. One, he never told me he did it. So number two, he forgot that he'd done it. About three o'clock in the morning, we were woken up to the most almighty explosion in our caravan. It sounded like a gun had gone off. We both sat bolt upright in bed, absolutely petrified. He's there kind of flinging off the covers and faffing away around in the dark, trying to get the light switch on, you know, and pulls open the bedroom door, turns on the kitchen light and discovers the complete devastation of our kitchen. There were bits of plastic all over the kitchen floor, bits of broken glass everywhere, ice all up the walls, all on the worktops, and then even frozen Diet Coke on the ceiling. And as he turned, he saw the great big fridge freezer with the door wide open, and one of those freezer drawers had a lovely Diet Coke-shaped hole in it. You see, what had happened was that Coke, like a rocket, it had surged out of that freezer drawer. It had, with so much power, full force, flung open that great big fridge freezer door and with an almighty burst, it exploded all over our kitchen. We had completely underestimated the power that that Coke bottle contained. And you know what? We're in danger of doing exactly the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We're in danger of doing that. All too often, we completely forget 
about the Holy Spirit. We underestimate the power of the Spirit, and we do that at our detriment. The Holy Spirit is God's very presence living in us. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave, if you're a Christian tonight, you have that same power living in you. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who, bring com who brings comfort, who teaches, who reveals truth to us, who guides and leads us and convicts us and empowers us, who brings us to life, who sends us, who bears fruit in us, who makes us more holy, who heals us up, who intercedes on our behalf, who enables us to perform signs and wonders and miracles and prophesy. The Holy Spirit is incredible. He is all-powerful. He is a person. He is a person to be welcomed and received and invited and honoured and embraced into our lives. A couple of years ago, I was asked if I would do some prayer ministry for a lady. And uh, she had a very, very abusive past. Her childhood was full of abuse. And um, she had um, sought lots and lots of professional help. And over the years, she was getting better. But she knew that she needed God. She needed the Spirit to do something in her. And so she asked for some prayer ministry. And uh, we just do what we normally do in those situations, is just lay a hand on that person and invite the Holy Spirit to come. And invite the Holy Spirit to surface whatever he wants to and heal whatever he wants to. And uh, he started bringing healing. He started freeing her of uh, past hurts and pains, memories. He started healing. And uh, it was incredible to watch because it was like second by second, moment by moment, I saw her transform before my very eyes. I could see the chains coming off of her and more and more freedom happening. Every moment that we were praying and the Spirit was at work, it was unbelievable. And just when I thought, I honestly don't know if there's any more, it feels like you've done it, Holy Spirit. This is incredible. I felt him say, pray for a leg. She had walked into that room with a stick and her leg um, was in an awful lot of pain most of the time. And she'd struggled for years with this pain in her leg and she'd needed this stick. And so just laid a hand on her leg and invited the Holy Spirit to come. And within a really short period of time, she just said, oh, the pain's gone. So I was like, well, do you want to test it? She was like, yeah, okay. So she very carefully stood up. No pain, okay. I think I might give it, I might, I might just walk around a little bit. Okay, do you want your stick? No, no, not, I don't need my stick. So very carefully just started walking around the room. Didn't need a stick. Then no pain, nothing. Okay, get a bit faster. Started walking really fast. Still no pain, nothing. Started jumping no pain, nothing. She left that room without ever needing her stick again. You see, the Holy Spirit not just healed her on the inside, he healed her on, an, in, on the outside as well. 
Within an hour, he had completely transformed her entire life. She has never been the same person since. That is the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't limit him. Don't underestimate him. Don't ignore him. Don't push him out. Don't put him in a box. We are desperate as a church to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way to explode in this place and in our lives, bringing freedom, purity in us, cutting off all the dross and the dead bits in our lives that we drag around, you know, like a ball and chain. We are desperate for the Holy Spirit to have his way in us, to bring us and his church to life, for us to be everything the Spirit of God wants to. And we need to give him room for that. We need to give him space and allow him to do those things. Can we just pray for a moment? Is that okay? Holy Spirit, we are so sorry where we have ignored you, where we have limited you, where we have pushed you away. We say as your people and as this church family, we need you. And we, our biggest desire is for you to have your way. You are so welcome here. Come, Spirit of God, fall in this place. Amen. Amen. So Paul is reminding the Corinthians about the power of the Spirit and then the wisdom from the Spirit. You see, Paul is desperate for the church to see that how false and flawed the worldly wisdom really is. Verse 6, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We're bombarded constantly with wisdoms of this age, aren't we? You know, the wisdom of the world tells us that if you want something, then you should have it immediately because you are worth it. The wisdom of the world tells us that life is short. So if you feel it, then you should do it. If you want it, then you should have it. Live for the moment. The wisdom of the world tells us that when things get tough, you leave. When you don't feel it anymore, you walk out the door and you never come back. The wisdom of the world tells us that you always, always, always look out for number one. That it's okay to use other people for our own sexual gratification or as a stepladder to get to the top. The wisdom of the world tells us that it's fine to shift and lie and blame other people for our own errors, our own mistakes, rather than take responsibility to own up, to take the fall ourselves. The wisdom of the world tells us that anything goes just as long as you're happy because your happiness is the most important thing. It doesn't matter who you hurt in the process just as long as you're happy. The wisdom of the world tells us that you're doing really, really well in life if you've got a ton of stuff. It doesn't matter how much debt you're in just as long as you've got the latest iPhone trainers, Michael Kors handbag, you're driving a really powerful car, you can afford to holiday abroad three times a year, socialize whenever you like because money isn't an object. You've made it in the world's eyes if, if you can achieve all those things, but don't worry about the debt. Don't worry about any of that. 
But the world's wisdom, it's deeply flawed. And that is what Paul is warning the church about. He's pointing out to them that they're viewing everything from the wrong lens, the world's wisdom. And so their effectiveness at being influenced in their culture, being salt and light in their workplace, in their communities, winning people for Jesus, their effectiveness in the church, building up the church, strengthening the church, is being completely undermined because of this worldly wisdom. They have got so much human wisdom and pride in themselves to fix and sort and work stuff out that actually it's propelling them into a full-scale crisis. And so Paul is underlining to the church what wisdom isn't, and then he's highlighting to them what it is. He's reminding them of the right perspective, the right lens that they need to look out from. You see, they need God's wisdom. How do they get God's wisdom? The answer is the Holy Spirit gives them wisdom. Verse 7, no, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And then verse 10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. God's wisdom is, simply put, God's way of doing things. And as Christians, our desire should be that God has his way. It's his way and not ours. However, when it actually comes often to us handing that stuff over to God, often we find that in our heads and in our hearts, there is a wrestling match that takes place. Because so often we think, do you know what? I think I'm in a far better position to deal with that stuff, to work that stuff through. Maybe I'll just try and sort it first. Maybe I'll just try and deal with that, and then we'll see. And that is why there are vast areas in our lives that are being ruled by our own worldly wisdom. And that is where God wants us to make a trade, to actually hand those things over to him our way of doing things, our way of thinking, our way of problem solving, our way of planning for the future, our way of juggling our finances, fixing our marriage, parenting our children. He wants us to humbly hand those things to him, to make that trade, to lay it all down at the foot of the cross and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit of wisdom. Let that take over. Let it take over. Humility opens us up to the wisdom of God. And for many of us, we will struggle to know God's way. What is your way, God? What, what is your path? What, what are you saying? What are you doing? Do you remember those bands used to wear, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? in that situation. Would he have said that? Would he not? Would he have walked away then? Would he not? We struggle to know. The beginning of the journey towards answering some of these questions has to be, number one, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Number three, revelation by the spirit. Verse 10, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit we receive revelation. 
So I was at a South Welcome dinner a couple of weeks ago, and um, I was introduced to a guy there who told me that uh, he'd just started coming to the South site. He'd only been in church two times. Uh, there's a person who uh, is part of the South site, is a good friend of his, who actually had been praying for him for many years, had invited him to come to church. And uh, the second time he came to church, he had no church experience whatsoever. He was telling me over dinner, and he said, um, basically, we had given the opportunity, like we do most Sundays, if there is anyone in the church that would like to give their lives to Jesus. We do that most of the time. And he was saying to me, when that happened, he was looking around. And then he was like, oh, how did you get up there? How did that happen? You see, in his mind, he hadn't planned that day to become a Christian. He hadn't woken up that morning thinking, today's the day I'm going to become a Christian. I'm going to give my life to Jesus. He said, I can't explain it, but it just felt right. And that is what the Holy Spirit does. He reveals who God is to us, whether it's for our very first time or the millionth time. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit will always bring new revelations to us. He will always reveal the things of God to us. Revelation will always come when the Spirit of God is at work in us. And our desire has to be for more of the Spirit at work. More of the Spirit at work in our lives in our mind, in our body, in our spirit, in our soul. We desperately need that. God needs to do something in us before he can do something through us. And so many of us, we are desperate to know God's will. We are desperate for more intimacy. We are desperate to know his uh, rule and reign over our lives. We are desperate to hear his voice. We are desperate to know him as God, as our heavenly father. And for this to happen, we badly need the Holy Spirit to show us who God is, to reveal the things of God to us. It's so easy to forget that if we're to operate fully in the Holy Spirit, to be people who carry power, that it starts in us first. The Holy Spirit can only go as far and as deep as we allow him to go in our own lives. The Holy Spirit reveals the things of God. So one glimpse, one touch, one whisper from him, one revelation, and suddenly things start to change. We find our character, our coping mechanisms, our behaviors start to change, start to shift because something in us has shifted, has moved. And that is because the Holy Spirit has revealed who God is to us. Can we pray again? Is that okay? Lord, we need you to do something in us. We want you to do something in us. We are desperate for your touch. We are desperate for the Spirit of God to reveal the things of who you are to our lives, God. For us to be changed. 
our characters, our coping mechanisms, our way of doing things, Lord. Reveal who you are to us. One glimpse from you is all we ask for tonight. One glimpse. Have your way. Amen. And lastly, depth in the spirit. So um, Chuck and I, we've been married coming up to 14 years in August. And I would say that he knows me pretty well. Very well, in fact. He knows when I'm mad, when I'm upset without me having to say or do anything. He knows. He knows that uh, I always need a cup of tea first thing in the morning to wake me up. He knows that seafood is the way to my heart, that I will never say no to watching uh, location, 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 or homes under the hammer, or to pop into next, or to drink a cocktail or have a glass of Prosecco. He knows that I can't think if the house is a complete mess. I get really stressed and I can't think. He knows that I get really stressed if I'm not up to date with the washing because a family of five, honestly, you miss doing a load or two of washing and you're knee deep in washing for like what feels like a month. He knows all of that. And um, he knows so much about me. He also knows that on a fairly regular basis, I'm going to turn to him and I'm going to ask the fateful question that he knows he will never be able to win. Whatever answer he gives me, he will know it will be wrong. And that is, darling, does my bum look big in this? He knows all of that. But you know, it doesn't matter how well he knows me or how long we've been married for. No one knows me better than me. No one knows those thoughts that go on. No one knows those deep internal struggles that go on within me, that go on within my spirit. Have you ever found yourself saying during an argument, maybe it's only me, but that kind of thing where you say, don't try and tell me what I mean. I know exactly what I mean. Anyone say that? Is it just, yes, good, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. You see, no one knows you better than you because you live with you. And if you really want to know someone perfectly, then you would tune into their spirit. The Holy Spirit is tuned into the deepest things of God, the deepest parts of God. He has access to the innermost being of God. Verse 10 and 11 says this, these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So just as no one knows the deepest thoughts of a person better than their own spirit, no one knows the deepest thoughts of God better than the Holy Spirit. Has anyone here been scuba diving? Anyone? A few people. Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Well, my brother and sister-in-law, they went scuba diving a few years ago on holiday, and uh, they loved it. 
They loved the fact that they could dive down really deep into the ocean. You know, they could see all the beautiful underwater world, the beauty in the coral, uh, the tiny little detail of the plants, the beautiful colored fish, and maybe the not so beautiful colored fish. They loved it. They've got the bug for it. The Holy Spirit is like a deep sea diver. He dives down deep within us to see what's going on down there. And that is why the Bible says, when we don't know what's happening, the Holy Spirit can help us because he dives down deep, deep within us. He gets to where the action is. He goes deep thought fishing and he connects our deepest parts to the deepest parts of God. The question is, are we willing to allow the Holy Spirit to dive down deep within us? Are we willing for him to see not just the beauty in us, but also some of the murky depths? Are we willing to allow him to have access to the whole of us, to say, have your way, surface whatever you want, so that he can shine his light on areas in our lives that maybe we don't even know about, that need cleaning and healing and freeing. God desperately wants to reveal the deep things of himself to his people. And um, a wonderful example of this is when he starts healing us up on the inside. When we allow him to go down into the very depths of us, into those places that no one else knows about and no one else sees. And I love, love, love this bit. In uh, right at the beginning of Genesis, it's 1 Genesis uh, verse 2, and it says this. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That is a picture of inner healing. That's what God does for us. He, the spirit of God hovers and broods over the deepest parts of us. Those parts where it's covered in darkness, where it's empty, where there is nothingness, the Spirit of God hovers and broods and he brings us to life. Just like he did in Genesis, he created the world. He brings us fully into life. The Spirit connects us to the deep things of God and they are revealed when we allow the Spirit to dive down deep. But you know what? Sometimes that can be uncomfortable. Sometimes that can be painful. But that is okay because it's part of the healing process. We, um, we've lived in Scotland now for 11 years and uh, we moved up and uh, we bought a house that needed quite a lot of work doing to it. And we decided that we were going to go on a massive uh, mammoth Ikea trip. So we hired a big white transit van because we, need we needed to buy a new kitchen and flooring and lights and furniture and all sorts. We left our eldest son he was the only one at the time with my parents, and off we went. A three and a half drive, a three and a half hour drive to Glasgow, and uh, you won't believe it if I say this, but it is true. We went round Ikea three whole times. Systematically, we did not skip one aisle every time we went round. And uh, we had to pay, obviously, as you go out, and the worst bit was when Chuck was in the van, 
and uh, we'd had the kitchen and I was there he was like pulling this kitchen into the van and he was like are you pushing I'm like I am I am really I am like half in tears because my body strength is the equivalent of probably an eight-year-old child you know and so he was like grabbing all this stuff sweat pouring off him he was absolutely exhausted and uh, it was really really late at night by the time we finished we were absolutely done but we were hungry. And you know Ikea, just by the doors, they've got the ice cream bit, haven't they, and the hot dogs. We're like, right, let's get a hot dog. Got a hot dog, ate it really fast, then completely regretted it because I felt sick. I was like, oh, great. Three and a half hours in the van on the way home, brilliant. And I was just feeling so unwell. These sick feelings were getting increasing all the time. And I just didn't want to be sick. There was no way I wanted to be sick, so I started fighting with those feelings. You know, ignoring them, turned the music up really loud, then started talking to Chuck, you know, wound the window down, breathe, you know, big, big uh, breaths of fresh air. I'm not going to be sick. I'm and then but within me, I wanted to be anywhere but in that van at that moment. It was dreadful. I was just fighting these feelings all the time. We got home, early hours of the morning, done. Decided there's no way we can unload the van. Let's just get into bed and go to sleep. I was in bed, there was Chuck, and I remember this so, so clearly. He was absolutely wrecked, desperate to get into bed. He had one leg in the bed, one leg on the bedroom floor. And in that moment, I turned and I threw up all over our bedroom floor. And I remember him just pulling his leg out of the bed. He just went, (sighs) dropped his head as he plodded down the stairs to get the fish slice, the bowl, and the disinfectant to clear up my sick. What a great man I've married, eh? He's lovely, yeah, he is. You might be thinking what the point is. But the point is, as soon as I was sick, I felt so much better. Complete relief. Instant relief, at peace, felt like me again. And I wondered why on earth I hadn't allowed myself to be sick way earlier. Isn't it interesting how often we resist the things that we know are going to be good for us? And inner healing can often feel a little bit like fighting with those sick feelings. But as soon as that healing takes place, we wonder why on earth didn't I do this sooner? And I know in my own life that that has definitely been my experience. But during those times, sometimes of pain, sometimes of uncomfortableness, I can honestly say that I was the closest to God. It was like my debts called and cried out to him and he met me and he revealed who he was to me in a way that was so precious and life-changing. The pain is fleeting in comparison to the healing and intimacy and freedom that we experience. And for many of us here, 
we've consciously or unconsciously made a decision that actually to get prayer ministry, to get some healing on the inside just isn't for us. No, thank you. I'll leave that well alone, thanks. Well, I can say I've been there too. And again, many times I've been there. But you know, what I do know is that when I go and I ask for some prayer ministry and a couple of people will invite the Holy Spirit to come and say, surface whatever you want to, I have never once regretted it. I have never once regretted any of that because he always, always, always brings about a deeper, far more lasting reward than I could ever have hoped for. God knows what we need way more than we do. And time and time again, I've met with people who need and want inner healing. And normally after the first session, they will turn with a real sense of relief and go, oh, it was nowhere near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Or I had no idea that the Holy Spirit wanted to heal that in me. Or I feel so much lighter, so much freer. Why didn't I do this sooner? Can I encourage you? If you know that you could do with prayer ministry, that you need some healing on the inside, don't be scared. Don't put it off. Speak to your small group leader. Speak to Hazel. Come and speak to me. Because I promise you, you'll never regret it. Let's be a people who understand that God needs to do something in us first before he can do something through us. Let's be a church family who constantly allow the Holy Spirit to have his way, to do what he does best, bringing godly wisdom and power and perspective and to dive down deep within us, bringing healing and revelation, revealing the deep things of God to us. Let's fall in love with the Holy Spirit again. Let's be a church that pursues the wonder of the Spirit. Why don't we stand?